both in the story from the books of Acts, the book of Acts, and in this room today. They were gathered to observe the day of Pentecost, and so are we, but there is a difference here. They, the faithful Jews that they were in the city of Jerusalem, their most holy of cities, they had gathered to celebrate their Jewish feast of Pentecost 50 days after the Passover. Uh, it was a celebration of the first harvest of the year, uh, a day when the Jewish people got together and thanked God for the blessings of abundance, abundance, ab an abundant harvest, the abundance of life. Our Thanksgiving uh, is an echo of this feast day from the Jewish tradition. So that's what was going on in Jerusalem on that day. It was a big public festival, and the city must have been really something to experience. We hear the long list of the different people living there and the different people from all over the known world at that time who were visiting Jerusalem. And it sounds like it would just be an, it would have been a really exciting place to be. Uh, with all the different languages, different cultures, different people coming together in one spot. As I was thinking about what it might have been like to have, have been a newcomer or a visitor to Jerusalem that day, I couldn't help but thinking about the first time that I um, went to New York City, uh, took the shuttle from JFK down to Grand Central Terminal, got out of the shuttle and had no clue where I was. I was only about a block away, but you couldn't, I, I mean, you know, country bumpkin from Wyoming, right? And um, first time I'd ever been there. The first four people, I think, about the first four people, that I, that I stopped and tried to ask, where, where is this place? All spoke a different language than me. And they all spoke different languages from each other, too. And I mean, to tell you, my eyes were opened, and I was amazed and excited and terrified um, because it, I felt like I was in a place where anything was possible um, and not necessarily something good. It turned out just fine. But um, it was such a disorienting and uh, exciting experience for me. I, I typically um, find my spiritual connection um, in the mountains or um, on the rivers or in places where I'm surrounded by nature. But after that trip, and I've been back several times, after that trip, every time I fly in and see the island of Manhattan below me just like throbbing with life, I think that's the wilderness there too, right? That's where God and the Spirit are residing also. So maybe, maybe Jerusalem felt like that that day. I don't know. I like to think of it as, as being something like that. Because we get from the reading that Jerusalem was a very cosmop cosmopolitan place. Um, you know, just hear the list of all the different people from all over, like I said, the known world 
to the Jews at that time. Um, feasting, celebrating, and maybe we can have a little bit of a sense of that right here in our own hometown today as Old West Days and Memorial Day weekend have brought an influx of people to our hometown. Um, it's actually pretty exciting out there. Um, I bet if you go down to the square after the service today and you keep your ears open, you might hear um, some languages other than English being spoken. Um, you might even hear some American English being spoken that you barely recognize as American English. I have that experience every once in a while. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's a parallel between Jackson and uh, Jerusalem on that day of Pentecost also. So here we are, followers of Jesus, together in a room, listening to the story about the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And just as Jesus had promised, the Spirit showed up. The sound of a great wind, tongues of fire. Um, it must have been something to see, right? To have been in that room. And if we think about it all around us, outside in the streets, in the mountains, in the skies, in the clouds, in the thunderstorms, in the rains and the sun, Life is teeming around us. And life in this room is teeming around us too. This is a room full of beautiful, living people. And so here in this room, we don't have to wait for the coming of the Spirit. The Spirit is here, right? She's already here among us and in everything us, in us and in everything in creation. So... Perhaps we can listen for the sound of the wind in the voices around us. Listen to the music in the world and in our own beating hearts. And look for that tongue of flame, that life force that is God burning in the world. She is here. When we're present, really present to the mystery, the Spirit reveals herself. Here's what I love most about the story. What do the followers of Jesus do once they have heard and seen, that is, once they have recognized the presence of the Spirit? They immediately go out into the streets. They don't stay in that, in that safe room. They go out into the streets, and somehow... In that vibrant city, and no one knows how, somehow, suddenly, everyone understood one another. Language was suddenly not a barrier. Communication was opened up. Ears and hearts were in communion with one another. And that is the promise of the Spirit, Sophia. Wisdom, the Holy Spirit, in this story. That open and honest communication is a possibility in this fragmented, broken world where nations and even people within nations who are speaking different languages formed by different cultures 
with different goals, hopes, dreams, even suspicions, can hear one another and be heard. That's the promise. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, it is the promise of the story that with the help of the Holy Spirit, language becomes a point of communion, not a point of disconnect. Language. I don't know, but if no, don't know if you know this about me, but I am in love with language. We use it constantly, and for the most part, we just take it for granted, and yet it may be the most mysterious part of our beings. The fact that I can speak these words to you at all is astonishing if you think about all the physical actions involved in forming words, passing breath across my vocal cords, moving my mouth and lips and tongue in the right shapes to form words, and the fact that your ears are perfectly formed, perfectly designed to hear the sounds coming from me, and your ears can somehow translate the vibrations in the air into sounds in your brain, and then you can even hear the words that I'm saying and understand the words that I'm saying. I mean, to me, it's astonishing that we're built this way. And if we go one level higher and generously assume that there is meaning in what I'm saying, that the meaning goes beyond just the words themselves, to me, that isn't just astonishing, it's miraculous. So here's another interesting thing about language. It's all rule-based, right? In order for sentences to mean anything in any language, rules must be followed. And we all follow them without even thinking about it. Remember back to school? Did anybody have to diagram sentences? Did anybody like diagramming sentences? Flicka did. Yeah, it surprises me. Every, I, I asked that same question at 8 o'clock, and a couple people said that they actually enjoyed that. I hated it. It seemed like a giant waste of time to me to um, analyze these sentences that you and I speak to one another without any problem of understanding or communication, at least on that level, the level of rules. So it didn't, it didn't make any sense to me until, until I started trying to learn other languages. Then it made perfect sense that the rules have to be followed or the language completely breaks down. When I was in junior high, we called it junior high back then, um, I took two years of Latin. When I was in college, I took a couple years of Chinese. And then, then I took some um, Spanish language lessons uh, here in Jackson when it became really apparent to me that I'd better 
at least try to learn Spanish. Um, I never became fluent in any of these languages, but suddenly and obviously the rules worked. Um, they became very important, couldn't get there without them. So my dabbling around in other languages has taught me once again what a mystical, almost magical thing that our ability to use language to communicate is. By now, you may be thinking that I'm just talking gibberish here. I don't know for sure. You might be right. Um, I'm simply trying to convey to you that language is where we live and breathe and have our being. And as we use language, we'd better use it carefully and with respect for the language itself, for our own well-being, and for the well-being of all people. What if that's really the action of the Holy Spirit, both in today's story and in the story of us in this room and in the streets and in the mountains and in the worlds outside these walls. Maybe the spirit is a verb, not a noun. See, there I go again with parts of speech. But maybe the spirit is action, movement, wind, sound, a burning that communicates what? The interdependence of all people on earth, regardless of their language and of all creation and of our place in the world as followers of Jesus. It may not surprise you that that is what I believe the Spirit is doing in the world, moving everything, including us, in the direction of communication or call it communion, with God and with one another. The language we use is so important, and, and we get a sense of that here in church, right? In the rites, in the services that we do, we try to use this, we try to use this beautiful language that does as best we can to express the inexpressible the mystery of God, the mystery of grace, the mystery of love. We try to speak and communicate with words that approximate without trivializing this experience of the holy. We do the best we can with what we've got. And I like to think that here at St. John's, we do it pretty well. And I really like to think that we will even do it better because I believe that the Holy Spirit is still moving us in a direction. But now I'm thinking about the language that we use to communicate with one another outside these walls, in the streets, in our homes, in the world. How can each one of us use these gifts that we've been given of speech and hearing and responding to one another in ways that honor God and honor one another. 
So here's how I hope we can make a beginning towards open, honest communion. First, and it seems so simple, is by always speaking the truth. Pilate famously asked Jesus, what is truth? Jesus made no reply. And I think that is the only true answer to the question. You know a true statement when you make it, and you know a false statement when you make it. The truth is the truth, period. Even when speaking the truth is complicated and hard. Of course, I'm not saying we're infallible here. Because we may be mistaken. We, we may make mistakes, and being too sure of ourselves can be a danger too, right? To say that I know the truth and you are wrong usually leads away from communication, not towards connection. And as we do our best always to speak the truth, it's also important to seek the truth through conversation to be willing to listen and understand one another with open and generous hearts. This is where the truth may come into being, is in conversation. And the second thing I'd like to suggest we do is to use our language in ways that promote goodness. Pilate might just as well have asked, what is goodness? Because goodness, too, to some, is just as slippery and hard to grasp as truth is. But that's only if we think of truth and goodness and beauty as abstractions. They are the farthest thing from abstractions. You know goodness when you see it, and you know its opposite, too, when you see it. To be human is to have these ways of responding to the world. These ways are built right into us. And if wisdom, if the spirit, if Sophia, the moving, dynamic spirit at work in the world is working for anything, I believe she is working for goodness to bloom. And bloom she does. I mean, just look around you. Look outside. Look at the world getting green again. Look at the beautiful people in the pews around you. We're not all poets, of course, and maybe that's a good thing. But we can and we should use our language, our ability to communicate with one another, to point to the beauty that is the Spirit moving us into and through us every chance that we get. Truth, goodness, beauty, love, communication. These are the promises of the Spirit. Are these extravagant promises? They probably are. 
not extravagant in wasteful or in materialistic, but extravagant in huge and liberating. Perhaps they are extravagant promises, but the lives that we have been given to live out on this earth border on the extravagant, and I don't mean that in any trivializing way. What I mean to say is that all life is sacred, a holy place, in all of its joy and suffering, and that we as embodied spirits gifted with language and movement and breath, are moved in ways that we can scarcely imagine by a spirit of wind and fire. The reading says that old men will dream dreams. This is my dream. Happy Pentecost and amen. Please stand and join me in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. For the Father and the Son, she is worshiped and glorified. She has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I ask your prayers for God's people throughout the world. For our presiding Bishop Michael, for our Bishop Paul Gordon, for this gathering, and for all ministers and people, and for Emily and Kaylee who are serving on missions abroad. Pray for the church.
I ask your prayers for the extra provincial churches in the Anglican cycle of prayer. For our partnerships, the Church of St. John the Evangelist in Hastings, England, and Santa Maria Magdalena in Favorito, Cuba. Amos, Health and Hope, Nicaragua. For St. James, Kemmer, in our own Diocese of Wyoming. I ask your prayers for peace, for goodwill among nations, and for the well-being of all people. Pray for justice and peace. I ask your prayers for Joe, our president, and for all the world's leaders, for those on our military prayer list, Specialist August Bolt, Charlie Ezel, Major Alec Kelso, Lieutenant Commander Wolf Klotz, and all officers and enlisted people. I ask your prayers for the poor, the sick, the hungry, the oppressed, and those in prison. Pray for those in any need or trouble. I ask your prayers for the special needs and concerns of this congregation, especially for those on our prayer list, Ken, Brady, Ashley, Sherry, Rebecca, Sue, Stan, for the Butcher family, Carol, Megan, for Paul, Kathy, the Holland family, Christina, for Abra, for the McGregor family, Kip, Donna and the Martin family, Stella, for the Parrish family, Tony, Jamie, the Padel family, Jim, for Kelly and Randy, Jim, Ada and the Shaw family, Jim, for Kim, the Van Gelder family, Jim, Mary Beth and John, Anne, and gains, and for those we now name, either silently or aloud. I ask your prayers in thanksgiving for those celebrating birthdays, and those, well, first, for those celebrating birthdays, Joe, Steve, Lachlan, Peter, Susan, Barbara, Jenny, Catherine, Liv, Dorothy, and Susie, and for those celebrating anniversaries, Cindy and Jimmy, JB and Diana, Dan and Susan, Susan and Gary. I ask your prayers for all who seek God or a deeper knowledge of God. Pray that they may find and be found by God. I ask your prayers for the departed, especially Cliff and those we now name. Pray for those who have died. Praise God for those in every generation in whom Christ has been honored. Pray that we may have grace to glorify Christ in our own day. Almighty and eternal God, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, mercifully accept the prayers of your people and strengthen us to do your will through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And the peace of the Lord be always with you.
Good morning. A small crowd this morning. The chapel opened this weekend. That's what happens, right? Anyway. Um, a few announcements. Need my glasses. Hold on. Um, first of all, thanks to everyone who came out for the campus work day on s yesterday. Um, I wasn't able to be here, but I hear there were a lot of many, many hands and a lot of good work got done. So thank you for being here. I wanted to um, draw your attention to Grounded. You'll see these posters around. This is an art exhibit that's sponsored by um, the Episcopal Diocese of Wyoming that uh, it's touring around the state. It will be here from July 1st, I mean, sorry, June 1st through July 23rd at the Center for the Arts. And it is an exhibit of um, contemporary artists from indigenous American tribes around the country. Um, it's supposed to be wonderful. And a part of that um, is the showing of another poster. Um, visual here, um, The Art of Home, a Wind River story that will be on June 7th at 7 o'clock also at the center. And I would encourage you to um, check those things out. June 4th, it's a busy weekend. It will be our annual family reunion, which is something we started the summer after the big, we finally came out of um, lockdown and COVID, uh, to just celebrate all of the people returning to celebrate our life together as a church family. That's on June 4th. So there'll be a picnic after church um, uh, and just a celebration. During the service, we will be celebrating our graduating seniors. So come and um, celebrate those wonderful children with the young, young adults with us. Um, the reason that we're doing that also um, no, that's another weekend. Never mind. Um, if you are interested in being an usher in the 10 o'clock service, we'll be training ushers right before that service. So check in with us and let us know if you're interested in doing that. On June 11th, um, Amos, which we prayed for during